Hello and welcome to On Mission, a podcast by the Catholic Apostolate Center. My name is William Tishuk, and I'm joined by Chris Pirino and Father Frank Donio, and we will be discussing Christmas with Fatima Monterubio Cruz, the resource coordinator with the Catholic Apostolate Center. Thank you again for joining us today. Merry Christmas, everyone. Well, that's... Not, we're not exactly in Christmas that's yet. That's right. That's Hold right. on now. It's just um, <laughs> some of our liturgists out there, are, they're, they're already they're deleting the podcast. They're throwing the books at us. We just turned the Advent corner here. You know, yeah, it's the, coming out on the, the, the O Antiphons. The hook. Yeah. You know? yeah. Had it, had it, had it deep in, deep in. Well, now, well, now, see, now, now we. We don't. We don't want to ruin the 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 spirit that, that no. William's coming. With. But Fatima, <laughs> welcome. Thank yes. you for coming and being a part of this. Thank you for having me. It's it's great to join you all. We, we were kind of amazed that we didn't have a Christmas episode mm-hmm. after fifty some episodes. We've we've covered almost every liturgical season and all kinds of things, but we didn't have an actual Christmas episode. I'm I'm still kind of amazed at that. Yeah, we we talk a lot about Advent at the Catholic Apostles. <laughs> um, it's our most popular resource page. That and Lent for yes. good reason. Uh, please yeah. visit our Advent resource page right now. Our, our director oh. of programs, John Sitko, is very proud of the Advent page. Yes. Um, no Christmas resource page, but maybe well, you know, there's, uh, there's Christmas resources there. Uh, uh, yes. It just says Advent. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We we try to live Advent. Yes. It, you know, we can add this in, one in to its the fullness. List. Yes. Yeah. So, so um, why don't we talk about someone, someone, for those of us who may not know, or um, maybe uh, are, are uh, somewhat focused more on the secular portions of Christmas, uh, not that I'm one of them, but, you know, for our, you know, why don't we just kind of give a little overview? What is, what is Christmas? Go ahead. <laughs> well, um, liturgically speaking, we're celebrating the nativity of our Lord. And um, I've heard even in homilies at Christmas masses that, you know, we should sing happy birthday to baby Jesus. And um, I understand that. And I, I think that definitely that's that could be an approach, especially with younger children to help them understand what what is this celebration about but i think it's it's a lot deeper than that it's not just it's been x number of years since the birth of christ and so let's remember that and let's mark that it's really about taking the time to reflect on this great gift that god has made of his very self in mm-hmm. taking on flesh and becoming a human being being one of us and taking on the nitty gritty realities of human life um, because he chose to do that out of love for us. And, and I think sometimes, you know, when you look at the, the mass on Christmas day, you have the gospel of St. John and the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You don't get the, the, the readings as you would at uh, mass at midnight or, or the vigil mass and so forth, where it's talking about, the, the infancy, what are called the infancy narratives and, and the, in both Luke and in and, and, and Matthew. And you see this, this very different kind of, of understanding, um, which, which really speaks to the incarnation, you know, and that, that's really what we're celebrating. 
but it, it's uh, it sometimes to grasp that I think is uh, is something that is is a challenge. And when we look at Saint Francis, for example, you know he when he basically invented what we now see as the, the nativity scene, but he did it live you know, in Greccio. And, and this really to this, and it's what's called incarnational spirituality. You know, he, here, this is the, the true fleshiness of, of life. This is what, what happened in the, in this, in this cave or, or some, you know, in the stable as, as, tr- as has been talked about in tradition, you know, it's, it's, a, and it's amazing how those things are, are, you know, come together. My mom collects nativity scenes. She has 145. We, we kind of wow. gave up counting a long time ago. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and they're all different, all types of ways in which artists have depicted this moment. Um, that is, you know, the word became flesh and it's just such a tremendous celebration of of what god has done for uh, god and continues to do for us amazing but there's all these other customs you know these different customs that are around christmas or in the latter portion of the advent season and then all the way up through till we get to epiphany mm-hmm. you know and 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 really baptism of the lord the whole christmas season we're you know we're still singing christmas carols at church until the middle of january and then people think we're we're mad people. You're like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but uh, it, it's it's quite a quite a period. And so, what you know, in in your experience, I mean, what what are some of the things you know your your field uh, is is in catechesis and and helping people to understand and 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 take all of these symbols and customs and devotions. I mean, what has been some of your experience in working with people with this in parishes and in other places? I think it's just such a rich time. Um, there's, there's so much going on and so many opportunities to see God in action, to see, um, generosity and charity and, um, just liturgically there you, we mentioned the the O antiphons, right? Our um, tradition is is sort of pointing us and saying these are the final days before Christmas, and um, these are the ways in which we're reflecting on the Messiah that was foretold, who has come to us, um, and also ways of of preparing for the coming of Christ yet again, and just children. Um, I have mostly worked with, um, with younger students, with middle school students, and it's just such a wonderful time, uh, to be a child and to delight in all of the, the sights and sounds and lights and that joy of anticipation and, um, just certainty of, of what's to come. I think speaks so beautifully to the season of Advent and and Christmas too. Just the way that the joy of Christmas overflows, and and you even anticipate that that joy and happiness in the Advent season. Um, and I know in in my own um, experience, uh, being having been born in Mexico and working with a lot of um, Spanish speakers, this time um, is when we celebrate Las Posadas, and it is 
is much like St. Francis was, was really trying to inspire devotion and reflection on the reality of the incarnation and how it, it wasn't pretty or cute. It wasn't ideal circumstances by any means. And sometimes I think it's tempting to look at our nativity scenes and our beautifully set up trees and all of these um, traditions and, and the neatness uh, and the beauty of it and think that that's what the birth of Jesus was like. And I'm sure that poor Mary and Joseph were not feeling that way um, as things were unfolding, as they couldn't find um, a place for their child to be born. Um, they didn't have the help of their their neighbors and friends and family members. Um, and I mean, having experienced the birth of two children, you really want those things. You really want everything to be ideal. And so in this um, Hispanic tradition of Las Posadas, you really enter into this reality of things were not ideal. Um, and you are traveling as pilgrims with Joseph and Mary um, to Bethlehem, trying to find a place to stay. Posada means an inn. So you're knocking at several doors, looking for lodging and you're refused for various reasons. Um, it's, it's a late go away. You might be a robber. Um, so even, um, some of the, the, the challenges that we continue to experience as a community of, of, of prejudice or, um, just people kind of jumping to, to judgments about who someone is and, and really Christ is present there and Christ is the one being refused. And so, um, this, this tradition of traveling with the pilgrims to try to find lodging, to try to, to find a place to welcome Christ at his birth, um, just really gets at the heart of, of what we're celebrating in Christmas and what it means to um, to really welcome Christ into our own hearts, into our own lives. Each of you has, you know, for, you know, you have two small children. Uh, they're, they're what, how old now? Uh, um, John is four years old and Anna is two and a half. And then William, you're newly married. Chris, you mm -hmm. have, your son is how many months old now? It's, he's, uh, I don't know. Uh, 20, <laughs> 20, he's two, not two. He's not two yet. One, he's not two yet. One months. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and so like, what are the things that you, you know, like William, you're newly married. I mean, what are, now all of a sudden there's these new taking what, what you may have had growing up and what your, you know, your wife, Caitlin had, like, what, what kind of customs are you going to have for, for Christmas that now in terms of the spiritual aspects? Oh boy. Um, <clears throat> my household, one of the biggest differences is my dad was a big proponent of like, we will not listen to Christmas music and we will not decorate until like the 20th of December. <laughs> and so Keelan's family had like the opposite approach. Like day after Thanksgiving, they go down the street, pick up a tree, bring it back. And like, they just have a party decorating and like celebrate for the month leading up to it. But <clears throat> I found growing up that kind of made an emphasis for Advent and even more of an emphasis of celebrating Christmas after the feast and into the Christmas season. And that always led to the challenge of finding a Christmas tree. Cause I remember for many years going to Home Depot, 
not having any trees, going to Lowe's, not having any trees, and finding some random tree in the middle of nowhere, like, this will have to work. <laughs> but those are always fun. Uh, Midnight, Midnight Mass is one of my go-tos. I love that one. I, I remember one time serving with my brother. <laughs> I remember falling asleep. I was probably eight years old. I remember falling asleep on the altar. <laughs> and just before the gospel, my brother like nudged me like, boy, time to get up. <laughs> so those are some of my favorite traditions. And then we'd always, the next day, travel to my grandmother's house and celebrate with her and all those good stuff. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, Christmas is always um, an interesting time. Uh, last year, we moved my parents down to where uh, I live. They originally are from New York, and we have, my wife and our family live down in the D.C. area. And last year was the first Christmas that we um I guess, well, I guess not the first Christmas, but the second Christmas that they were not uh, in New York. Um, and, um, uh, you know, Christmas is certainly a time, as we know, lots of families always get together. And it's sometimes it's the one time a year you see certain people and do certain things. And um, it's, it's been a little bit of a transition uh, for us to try to figure out what to do um, this year, though, I think pandemic uh you know uh pandemic please uh you know that we'll be up in new york uh visiting with family but this is also going to be uh, our child's second christmas first his first christmas was he was you know couldn't really do much he didn't understand whether what was going on lots of blinking lights and we took him to mass of course and you know all that but this year i think there is going to have to be a little bit we're gonna have to start you know trying to um bring in some of the teaching moments here you know it's uh yes of course he will receive the the, the christmas morning and the gifts and all that right but of but as parents of faith, you know, it's like, well, how are we going to start him off on a good track so that when he's 12, it's, you know, he realizes that it's more than this, right? And uh, I think for us, it's always, particularly my wife and I, both of us growing up, we always had a very, you know, special, um, I don't want to say tradition, but special um I don't know, reverence or, or devotion to that nativity scene. Not, not quite to the, uh, to, to your mother's, uh, father, uh, you know, d devotion in that sense. But, uh, you know, always very important that it is put in a place of prominence and that there's, um, you know, that one of the things that when we became a married couple, um, uh, our a couple friends got together and bought us a our a nativity set, uh, and I was told by them one of them is a priest, so I assume he knows what he's talking about. Um, that this is you know a tradition that you would purchase something like this for a newly married couple, and then you add on to it, you know, with all the what's that company Fontanini st stacks things to it every year. And uh, I really took to that. I, uh, I, I look forward to going and, you know, building, you know, this, this scene, right. But it is all very, it is meant to not just be 
the Christmas village that you put up, you know, over here, right? This is supposed to give us an idea of much like what Fatima was saying, you know, make us remember um, that a, that this is, that things were not as great as we may have it um, on, you know, but also that, there is more of a meaning to everything that we're doing. And so we like to put it very close to the tree, you know, and to make it part of everything that we're doing. It's not off to the side, you know, it's part of the whole experience. And uh, one, one thing my mother always did when I was growing up, for, particularly at the nativity scene was, yes, while we may put up this nativity scene when all the rest of the Christmas decorations go up, um, Jesus is either covered with the tissue or removed <laughs> completely from the scene because he's not here yet. And so, uh, you know, there's, I think it's important. I think, you know, there are lots of great children's resources out there to help us teach uh, little Vinny the, the story of Christmas and make sure that he understands. I don't think we'll sing happy birthday to Jesus. I'm not into that. <laughs> um, but that I've heard that. I, I pass on that. But uh, um, yeah, I think it's important for us to think about what are we going to do? You know, um, what are we going to do for him? Yeah, I, I think every year is such a wonderful opportunity to revisit that and say, okay, this is what we have done, but that doesn't mean we can't modify that a little bit. We can't incorporate new things, new traditions. Um, I, Growing up, the nativity scene was really a highlight in our household. And um, we had inherited one that was very, very elaborate. And it, it was not fun to me. It was a very Mexican one with a million different figures of you know the woman baking bread and the the burrito over here and um like people eating mexican food and um a waterfall and just very intricate and um it was just fun to set up but also it really did force you to think about the the reality of it and think oh yeah this was there were people in this town of bethlehem and they were eating and they were washing clothes and uh, trying to keep warm and you sort of see yourself a little bit more in the story. And you think about if, if I were there at that first Christmas, what, what would I have to offer Christ? Um, and um, there, the, I know that there are other um, traditions. My, my sister has done with her daughters of throughout the Advent season, adding a, a little bit of hay to the manger for Christ with every good deed that they do. Um, as a way of really thinking about preparing our hearts um, for the coming of Christ. And um, I just growing up in we with the with the nativity scene being such a, an important part of our our household um, on Christmas Eve, we were always with my grandmother and we would do the final day of las posadas on Noche Buena, the on Christmas Eve, that's when we really gather and celebrate more than that. That's where the emphasis is for us more than the 25th. And so we do the final night of Las Posadas and we're finally admitted into um, a place for Christ to be born. And the youngest child in the family um, sings a lullaby to baby Jesus and places him in the manger. And um, I, I got to be that child, um, I think just once I had 
you know, 34 cousins or so just on my dad's side. So it was a brief moment um, that I was the youngest, but it it was really special to me that we all gathered around and we all sing and we all, you know, kind of paused from the food and the fun and the gifts to, um, to sing to Christ and, and welcome him. And then just really enjoy being together. And, uh, we would often go to, to midnight mass or Misa de Gallo, um, literally the roosters mass, um, because that's, you, you know, you, it's been, it's part of the celebration and then we kind of sleep in on Christmas morning. So, um, I know lots of people, especially in the United States, talk about the joy of Christmas morning and coming down the stairs and seeing the gifts and all that, that that's totally foreign to me. Um, and, um, something that I've had to, um, well, I've been introduced more, um, since I, I got married, my husband's uh, family is much more into that Christmas morning. And so it's kind of a beautiful thing because we get to just party back to back. Really. Um, we get to do the big thing on Christmas Eve with my side of the family and then drive, um, a little bit within Texas, thankfully, but both sides of our family are in Texas. So we can do that, um, to celebrate then Christmas day and, um, just thinking too of, of getting together with my cousins. Um, so we would, we would do our big party on Christmas Eve and then Christmas day, everyone would come together for the recalentada for like literally heating up leftovers. That was what we would do. Um, and you know, my cousins would show off their toys and, um, I, toys were not a big thing for me because for whatever reason, um, Santa Claus, would deliver our presents back home in Texas, even though every year we were in, in Mexico and I, it confounded me that Santa never figured this out, but we would, we'd have to wait to get back to our home in Texas to get our gifts. And so Christmas day was not about the gifts at all for us. It was just, Oh, okay. You know, my cousins have theirs. That's great. You know, let's, let's eat our leftovers. Let's party again. Um, I have a question. Hopefully father can answer it or someone else. Um, <laughs> Uh, both Fatima and uh, Will mentioned Midnight Mass. What What is the why? I mean, obviously midnight, right? Midnight Mass, Midnight Day it is the new day, Christmas, Christ, I get it. But is there yeah. some particular uh, reason surrounding why we do Midnight Mass? Well, the, there would be the, the uh, a preparation. So pr- uh, prior to the liturgical changes that occur where you would have a vigil mass. You didn't have a vigil mass. You would have, that would be when the mass would be for, you know, the, or the beginning into the, into the Christmas season would be then at, at midnight. And so this was this, that was in effect meant to take you into the, into the night. So you'd have this opportunity uh, and and for example, you know, it was a time also of, of absence. Like for example, in the Italian and Italian American traditions, you, there's you don't have meat on Christmas Eve. So you, we would always have. What was more important in my family was Christmas Eve, and to this day, to a certain extent, it is. I mean, yes, we'd have all the stuff for the kids and everything else on Christmas Day, but Christmas Eve was when family would come together and and this the and it was you know we we would have various uh, dishes that were that had no meat that were you know seafood oriented and and 
you know, this or fish um, of, of some type, but we, you know, we kind of modified that over time, but the, but it was always without meat because that, that's, that was part of the, the, the custom of, of, a, not only of some abstinence before, you know, before you would, you would go to mass. Um, so it, it's a, an interesting custom, the, the midnight mass. Now, of course, that's also been backed up time-wise. Yes. Uh, in, in the, the, the midnight mass at 10. Mass. Um, yes. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but, but my mother to this day, in my home parish, my mother to this day, even if, I'll, even if I celebrate mass with my family, she will still go at midnight. Um, because there, there's there's something about that custom and that tradition uh, that is uh, that is very important to uh, to her and to many people, um, and it's really becomes the, the the spiritual beginning of the Christmas season uh, for people, and so it's uh, and again you're you're similar to the the posadas you know you're, you're and the reading is is there you know there's no room in the inn and they have to go and it's in the middle of the night and now this baby is born you know but it, it's at night and and you think about you know joseph and mary and you know just just this this uh fraught moment um and and they're and they have, you know, as you were saying earlier, Fatima, you know, and, and it's, it's just, we, we've made it, we've made it all look pretty, <laughs> but it, but it was messy and, uh, and, and really just this tremendous poverty, um, that he also dies in, you know, um, he, he comes into the world with nothing, into the world with, with nothing other than his parent. And, and there's his mother and his mother there at the foot of the cross when he dies. Um, and put into a borrowed tomb, so there he is, a borrowed, you know, a, a borrowed place, the manger, and a borrowed tomb. And uh, and so this this really, when we think about the scriptures, um, some some people will put a, a crucifix in a nativity scene just to remind hmm. you know, that that there's this this is all interconnected. This is not you know, just a, a nice, happy story and, you know, angels and shepherds and, you know, we'll, we'll bring in the, the Kings, you know, or the, the Magi. It's, it's really, a um, the, you know, the word became flesh to do, to, to save us and ultimately goes to the cross. So it's it's not to be a downer, but it's it's simply this this interconnection between Christmas and the whole passion narrative and Easter. You know, we have to make all this as a, of a piece, um, rather than make all these disparate these disconnections. Yeah, I think uh, traditional icons of the nativity and icons of the burial of Christ really draw out that connection. The you see the cave, it looks identical. And there's, there's Christ in the cave, the Christ child at his birth, and then the body of Christ, um, in his burial. And it, it definitely brings home a lot of that and that his whole life is a gift to us. And that, that is why he became flesh. And that is a part of our, our salvation history. And it, uh, it, why midnight mass? It's, it's, 
it calls to mind also the Easter vigil, right? For many of us, our Easter vigil mass ends around midnight. Um, and so we really are kind of waiting, like we, we are anticipating because we just can't hold on any longer. We, we want to be there to, to greet the dawn, um, to celebrate with joy. And um, both of my um, labors for my children have begun right at midnight. And um, so it, it, it is, it's, I don't know it, for me, it calls to mind just the unexpectedness of it. And the, you know, you want to plan for these ideal circumstances and here's, here's my birth plan. And that, that really wasn't on the table for Joseph and Mary. It was just, okay, you know, you're, you're going into labor and we have to make this work somehow. So I, I think it's, it's a beautiful way to, to just reflect on that, just as we await the, the coming of, of any child um, that that fell to, to Mary and Joseph too, to, to be prepared to welcome this new baby and figure out how to be parents. And it's out of that generosity when we talk about gift giving, you know, too often it, it becomes this, this uh, consumerism type of thing that goes on. But that this is really the, the giving from the heart. You know, in, in fact, what God has done, how do we show uh, a, through some small token, uh, a love of another, but also then the connection with, uh, with the Magi, which certainly in the, in the Hispanic Latino tradition, it's, there's the Italians as well have a, the, the connection with epiphany. And maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Fatima for us. Sure. Um, yeah, we, my growing up, some of my memories of, of the Christmas season, they definitely include epiphany. It wasn't just, okay, you know, 25th is done. Let's get rid of the tree and moving on. No, it was, we were absolutely celebrating up to and beyond, um, January 6th. And the, the night before January 6th, getting ready and, and putting out our shoe for the, the, three wise men to, to bring us our gift. Um, and it was usually something a little bit simpler than we might've gotten from Santa Claus, but the three wise men always came. And sometimes we would put out water and hay for the horse and the camel and the elephant. And, um, I would go to school very excited the next morning and ask my friends, well, what did the wise men bring you? And they just looked at me like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what this is about. And I just kind of thought to myself, well, I guess they didn't behave as well as I did, <laughs> um, which is maybe not the right approach, but, um, but it was just such a, a fun way to continue with the, the Christmas spirit. And um, because Christmas is relatively a brief liturgical season. And um, so it can be kind of hard to, especially if you're, part of these families that really emphasize Advent and, and kind of delay the beginnings of, of the Christmas celebrations, you really do want to stretch the full Christmas season and definitely in, into January 6th and beyond to the baptism of the Lord um, so that you can really make the most of it and sing all of those Christmas carols and really enjoy that time. And we have that feast day of the Holy Family that's within within the Christmas season. And then baptism of the Lord at this, you know, the, the, where he begins his public ministry. So it's a really, you know, he manifests in, in the, in epiphany and, uh, you know, this manifestation of the Lord. And, and then you, you have the, then the public ministry that begins in, in, in the baptism. So it's a 
really the way the season runs, it's, uh, it's not just fixated on, on, you know, okay, here's the moment of the incarnation, but the whole of the season kind of takes us into a, into a different place, a wider place of, of viewing of how, how the Christ's ministry begins and, and moves forward. That feast of the Holy Family, too, I think is a beautiful way to remind us that it wasn't just here's the Christ child and now he's being baptized and he's beginning his public ministry. But what happened? How did the Holy Family live out their life in the meantime? What was a teenage Jesus like? Um, and to be invited into that humility and silence and hiddenness of the Holy Family's life in Nazareth is such a beautiful thing. And I think for many of us still trying to navigate um, the pandemic and maybe not being able to see as many of our friends and family members as we like, I think we're being invited in an even more intimate way into that hiddenness and just the essential element of our, our family unit and, um, and being with being present to them. What I particularly enjoy about, I guess, in a symbolic way, the Christmas day itself is you have like winter solstice and the days get longer in accordance with the birth of Christ. And I really enjoy that symbolism of Christ coming into the world and bringing light with him. I mean, it's partially why we put up Christmas lights and things like that at the darkest time of the year, Christ comes into the world to bring light to it. And father mentioned the gospel of John and how John, even he reflects on the light coming into the darkness. And we finish the Christmas season with the baptism by John the Baptist of Christ. And in the summer, we celebrate his feast day right around the summer solstice. So St. John the Baptist as the forerunner of Christ, he says, I must decrease and he must increase. So I like that juxt juxtaposition of the days getting shorter after John the Baptist and then the days getting longer after the birth of Christ. So I really like that. And in the Southern Hemisphere, you have a flip of that. Yeah. And and so this this at Christmas be is one of the you know some some of the longest days of the year mm -hmm. in the in the southern hemisphere, um, and that uh, you know the the light that that comes into into life um, into into the world is a, quite a beautiful imagery in both both in the northern and the southern hemispheres. Um, maybe we can each talk about our favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> uh, I don't think I have one. Oh, it's it's clearly It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is my favorite Christmas oh, it's movie. Not, that's I, his. I, yeah. uh, that's not mine. Chris, tell us what your favorite Christmas favorite Christmas movie is. Oh, it's the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. <laughs> oh, those are good too. <laughs> I, I think I would have to say Elf is mine. Oh, oh okay. 
Okay. I love the whole, just all the sugar and well, <laughs> excitement. Yeah, I mean, my, no, my, the, I do have a, a favorite one and, and because I, I also look, I'm also a fan of the book, uh, but uh, a Christmas Carol, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, because just the the whole conversion mm-hmm. that that occurs and the care, you know, a, ge- a, a heart that was stingy becomes a heart that's generous, and, and in so many ways that that bespeaks the generosity of Christ, um, and, and the generosity of God in giving, in you know, the Father sending the Son, so. That that's always been a favorite of mine in various versions, including on, on the stage, on the, on in the word, and on the silver screen. I'm sure <laughs> the one with uh, Scrooge McDuck is uh, the best one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always funny when you know. Sometimes you know. Well, there's the Muppets Christmas Care. You know, there's all <laughs> kinds of this. Not to um, mention, you know, the ones that focus purely on Scrooge. You know, so, it's all the same story, but. Yeah. So it's, it's yours is it's a wonderful life, William. Yes, it's it truly is. I think the biggest lesson for me in that movie is being grateful for everything you have, and I, I guess that's really the lesson of the story. Well, that's, My family that's and I would cool. watch it every year, so that's kind of why it's nostalgic for me too. Yeah. And that's really at at, at that at Christmas. It is important for us to be grateful for all that we've been given, Mm -hmm. especially the great gift of Christ in our lives. Thank you very much, Chris, Father Frank, and Fatima for joining us on this episode of On Mission. This wraps up another episode of On Mission brought to you by the Catholic Apostle Center. Please be sure to like, review, and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Find us and other Center podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, or the Catholic Apostle Center. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast by the Catholic Apostolate Center. Please review and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts to stay up to date on the latest content from the Center and go to catholicapostolatecenter.org for more resources.